to live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It's episode number 418. It's an Articles of News episode, which, because it's stuck in my head, we're going to call this episode, Keep Your Filthy Paws Off My Silky Draws. Uh, joined oh, by, really? <laughs> I'm singing Grease this morning. Joined by Annette Luthy Lion and Brother Hello. Kyle. Yep. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I want to check in with you, Annette. It's been a while since we've chatted. How are you doing? Oh, I'm a grandma. Congratulations. What? Yeah, my, my granddaughter, was. she's two weeks old today, and she's freaking adorable. Um, I, we haven't been able to hold her yet, but I have been able to see her, you know, in person. Just haven't been able to be closer than socially distant, but being careful with all that so but it's exciting she's adorable are you excited to say things like you know the best part about being a grandparent is that you get to hold it and then give it back i'm looking forward to spoiling her rotten i am so excited to even I, honestly at this point i would love to be able to help my own daughter out like i know she, as a new mom she's struggling and sleep deprived and i can't even go over and hey i'll take baby for a couple of hours and just sit here and rock the baby while you take a nap yeah you know, I can't even do that. So I'm like, do you need groceries? Yeah. <laughs> Helping how I can. We've met at a park a couple times just to say hi through the window and that kind of thing. But so, but see, they only live five minutes from us where they used to live two hours away. So, so it's almost like it's teasing and taunting you being that close, but having to stay yeah, distant. But at least I can see her on some, I mean, in some way, you know, yeah. it's at a park six feet away is better than not at all. You but know, but so. you don't get to smell the baby neck and feel the baby I, softness. Uh, Sorry, I'm not rubbing it in, but like. The thing though is that I am very big on, you know, I love her, therefore I want to keep her safe. So I'm not going to push anything on her or, you know, the parents until they're ready for it. And I know things are, cause things are, are ramping up in Utah and that's just not a good thing. Let me ask you that's this. a great thing. <laughs> Go hug that baby. It's a brand new baby. Let's hug it. Yeah. I want to hug her. I do. She's so cute. You got to build up the antibodies in the kid. We're joking, everyone. Calm down. Yes, yeah. With the corona antibody baby. <laughs> uh, the other fun thing that we discovered, um, well, my, my, one of my other daughters is dating a gentleman now. I actually met before the lockdown happened. Um, and we discovered that he did some child acting. And so the thing that we, she sent us a link. And if you recall, there's a, there's a little commercial they often play after general conference where there's Kurt Vester as a pianist, but this little kid gets up on the stage and he's like playing the piano and his parents in the audience is dying. And one of them's Dave Nibley, if you know him. Uh huh. Um, the little boy is now her boyfriend. He's all grown up now. Oh. Yeah. So they sent us this link and I'm like, look, it's little him when he's like six years old. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's adorable. So if anyone sees that little ad next time after general conference, my daughter's dating that little boy now. You could be a future son-in-law, huh? Should we push her into that real quick? Possibly. I don't know. We'll have to see. They've been dating for three or four months now. So So basically married. By the next time. Well, by the her, next time. Laughs at that. She, she, she knows someone who you know met someone and got engaged three months later. And she's like, that's just crazy. We're just getting started. I'm like, good girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, working at working at the BYU like I do, there is someone that I know who they have met during quarantine and they're getting married next month. Oh man! <laughs> and, Sheesh! And, and, and you know, and you know what? Okay, all right. I, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not one to judge. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, I'm just taking her time. You know, I mean, back in the day when she knew that I like I, I knew my husband 10 months before we got married. Mm -hmm. um, and, you, and, you know, BYU land, that's like eternal. Sure. But she used to go, Mom, how in the world? That's so quick. And so and she's still of that mentality. So good girl. She's yeah. Good. Time. Uh, let me ask you this. How many kids do you still have at home? Um, well, technically one. My um, my youngest is 17. She'll be a senior this fall. Um, but my oldest um, is home tech just for the quarantine time. So he was he it was that or be alone in his apartment in by UVU, and that just was miserable. So, so, so he's I, just I'm going to give you a suggestion based on that, that. and I uh -huh. feel like it's going to. I'm I don't want to fix your life, but as a man, that's what my role is as a fixer, right? Of course. So here's what you do: 
You go to uh, your COVID testing site. You test negative for COVID, and then you say goodbye to your kid and your husband, and you quarantine with <laughs> your grandbaby. And then you get all the grandbaby, but then the catch is you can't come back home. Then I can't come home. Oh my gosh, that that's kind of brilliant, though. Mm. That kind and well, and you know, my daughter, seventeen, she can drive. Yeah, so she can cook. Yeah, she does her own laundry. I mean, to be fair, she told me she does not need you. So, <laughs> so. she does. The way she needs me lately is she walk, she'll walk in the door and then be like, "Mom," and she has to talk my ear off for like two hours. Yeah. It's like I, I just knew that when school was over, walk out about an hour and a half for her to come and just talk my ear off because that's what she needed as a as a teenager. And then she would go off and do her thing. So it's a little different now with quarantine, but so but that's I'm, what she, that's what she I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying, I think I think that's a viable option. And uh, your husband, he also let me know he could use a break. He can be, he, <laughs> he, he can eat, he can eat over the sink for a while. He doesn't need dishes. He doesn't need you know any yeah. any well, of the stuff. And actually, in the last couple years, he's been the one doing dinner dishes and stuff. So party on! Yeah. I, I'm all about that. Strongly consider my suggestion. I don't want to fix your life, and I'm not going to push you. But just think about it, brother no, Kyle. I- have to ponder that that's a kind of a genius idea what's up with you brother kyle uh, so my son yesterday i, I called him and said he do you want to go uh do so well it was to pick up his dune buggy that i bought through his mother and then they found out it wasn't street illegal so uh somebody's hooked it up at their shop and is paying for it to get street legal so that it can fit in their big garage with their bmws and we talked about it last yeah week. yeah yeah but go- i'm putting more money i'm putting more money into their dune buggy so <laughs> So I called him. And I said, do you want to go pick it up? It's ready at my shop. And he said, well, uh, so Jabbar, a buddy of his, that's his nickname, is uh, tested positive for Corona yesterday. And the day before, we had been driving around in our car together. Uh. So he got tested yesterday. So he's quarantining himself uh, in the basement at his mom's house. And so, <laughs> so hopefully we'll find out soon if he's got... He's got the Rona. So thanks, th- thanks a lot, Corona, keeping grandmothers from their grandbabies and fathers from their sons. Well, you know, you'd think, oh, gosh, aren't you worried? What if he gets it, this deadly disease? Nope, not worried. He's 18. He's healthy. You know what's going to happen? Just like with his friend, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. He's going to be totally fine. All right. Maybe, he's Brother done. Kyle, but here's no. the deal. If there is something that I know about your personal health and... That's me. Yeah, but... <laughs> But if there, him. but if there is possible for something to go terribly wrong, brother Kyle, it will be you. But wouldn't it be a blessing <laughs> if I caught Corona from him and passed away? Yeah, then he killed oh, you. Oh God, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle. It would be a miracle if that happened, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we could finally say, "All right, a miracle <laughs> has occurred." Oh. And then I will admit. Miracles being real. Okay. If either of us die from Corona, it will be a miracle. This is going to. I will fess up. This will be so morbid in the future if this happens. It could be. And we play this back. Oh, please, everyone, be safe. Wherever you're at in the country or the world, there are a lot of places where things are spiking and. And it's just because people aren't being careful. I appreciate the uh, the smartness in both of your guys' homes, right? That your kid's staying away from you. I think it's an excuse, but he's blaming it on the Rona. That your grand uh, <laughs> that your grandbaby's staying away from you, uh, Annette. It's it's important, right? Blaming it on the Rona. As my wife and I talk about <laughs> quite frequently, because we allow ourselves ten minutes of news a day, and then we just yell about it for about an hour. <laughs> We we, right. we we engage in it and we're like, yeah, it's not gone. Everyone feels like it's gone. It's not gone. We literally just wasted three months if we lock ourselves down for three months and then open the floodgate like it's nothing is different. It Don't be surprised, everyone. That's not how this works. That's not what this is. That's not. That's not. Anyway. So we, we find ourselves doing that conversation quite a bit. I'll say this. This is what's going on for me. Uh, if you guys have not yet uh, taken a chance to go back and listen to episode 417 with Joseph Freeman Jr., it's great. 
he is the first uh, African-American gentleman to receive the priesthood after the ban was lifted. It dropped just this last Friday. It's so great. I love it, and I've got a ton of great response from it. Um, if you really like it, invite you guys to to share it with other folks um, so that more people can hear and find the Actually, cultural I've, hall. I haven't heard it all yet. It is really good. Isn't it great? It's really interesting. Yeah, it's great to hear him talk. And uh, as what as one as one person who messaged me points out, he's like, it's nice to hear someone in the cultural hall who just has like the strongest testimony ever. And I was like, thank you. It's true. <laughs> like, like I feel like uh, I don't know. I feel like we share a lot of that stuff, but that I mean, that's maybe a discussion for a different time moving forward. Also, I will say this. Hold on, I'm gonna sneeze. Give me one second. Uh oh. Oh, face mask on. Fa oh. oh, gross. Now you guys are gonna get it all over me. Um, for it, anyone not benefiting from the video feed, we're actually not even in the same locations. So, I uh. I love this time of year. Cherry time. Do you guys have cherries in your neighborhood at all? Yes. Yep. The blossoms. Well, not not the blossoms, like fruit. Cherry cherries. Yeah, I I am taking my dog on more walks and <laughs> we stop and like adventure into people's yards that have cherries. <laughs> and and I and you steal you steal food. Yes. Yes. It's it's not on Sunday, so it's okay to steal food other days. But seriously, like I, I, there's something about like that merging from spring to summer that cherries signifies, and I just, I have eaten more cherries in the last week. Mm. Mm, so delicious. That's so good. They used to be my, probably my favorite fruit. My grandmother had a lot of cherry trees. Oh yeah. Uh, and then one day I was probably nine, eight, nine years old. I sat in the tree and I ate and I ate and I ate <sighs> loads of cherries. And then when I got home, uh, I remember it. I, even though I was very, it, this was many years ago. I remember those cherries coming out both ends like a oh. fire hose. Oh. And now I can't eat cherries anymore. Oh, oh that's sad. No, I just, after that incident, because it, it was uh, uh, like a fire hose of cherry syrup from, <laughs> oh, from my mouth. Sure, and not from and, your mouth. Got it, Kyle. And, we got it. Okay. We got it. <laughs> just want to make sure you understood the cherry fire. So to be so to be clear, both from your mouth and from another place. Is that am I understanding you correctly? Like a fire hose of cherry <laughs> jubilee at the same time. All right, all right. I I I could only put one area over the 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 toilet oh, at God. a time <laughs> all right so, all right all right brother kyle we get it cherries a cherry now i can't eat cherries anymore i think you should so go here's my actually have here I don't, I don't know i have no scientific proof on this one but the day before my oldest daughter the one who's now a mom before she was born i actually ate like a whole massive bag of cherries and they say that that you know castor oil and other things like that can induce labor uh -huh. and i labor that night so i like to think maybe cherries has a similar effect moves hmm. things around i don't know boy like, Ooh, I think a bag of cherries might have started her labor yeah she had Going a the pregnant ladies she had a baby coming from both ways brother kyle <laughs> <laughs> gross uh, all right uh <laughs> I got this email. I just want to share this real quick. Uh, Judith sent this to contact at theculturalhall.com, or maybe she just went to theculturalhall.com and looked for the Contact Us tab. She says, Hello, I would like to listen to the latest podcast, and I immediately wanted to correct her show available in podcast form, but I didn't, on the Fathers of the Prophets. Uh, I'm having difficulty being able to listen to it. I hope that it's fixed soon. Judith Barnard in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I said, well, I, let me look into it. Now, here's the thing about uh, this email and other emails. If ever you try and engage in something with the cultural hall and you're not able to do it for some reason, please notify us. Even if you think we're, we're maybe aware of it or, oh, maybe it's just you. I would rather know that it's just you than have a problem persist and not be able to 
to fix it for other people. You can always contact us, contact at theculturalhall.com uh, or visit theculturalhall.com and find the Contact Us tab. We were able to resolve it, and you can check that out. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that in time for Father's Day, uh, a great book being able to hear the different stories of the fathers of the prophets and those couple of authors, very, very, very charming. Um, let's take a break, you guys, and when we come back, uh, we'll do articles of news, and coming up in today's third block of the Cultural Hall, I'm going to be visiting with someone from BYU, a student who is part of that petition to uh, get the um, the class on race and, and racial issues as part of gen ed requirements. And we're going to talk about some of the movement down there, uh, that will be coming up in the third block of the cultural hall. Hey, this is Dan, the laptop man from PC laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many States are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, if you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12-month special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now, because at PC Laptops, we're here for you, and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. Time for the second block of the Cultural Hall. If you have not yet become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, please, we encourage you to do so. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, that allows us uh, things like uh, being able to pay for the software, of which I'm able to connect with Brother Kyle and also with Annette Luthi Lyons, so you can be able to have those episodes. What else does it do? Well, we're working on some video stuff, so we can do even better video once the ban is lifted from being socially distant, so that some of these episodes can be like Town Hall, like video and like awesome yeah i said like awesome you go to patreon.com slash the cultural hall or you can find the link in the show notes for this episode uh consider being a patreon saint i'll give you a shout out here on the show that's it hit it peter you can't lose articles of news all right which one of you wants to start not me and that should go first yeah well, la- okay. ladies first brother kyle ladies yeah. All right. So this first one is actually, I, I had to do some digging yesterday because I had a friend of mine um, who some um, LDS Picture readers may recognize. Her name is um, Tammy Norton. Her son, Josh Norton, um, is has been on American Ninja Warrior three times. He was a walk-on two years. Last year, this last recent um, season, he w- went to the finals. Um, and so they're, they're, the whole family is looking forward to whether he'll be called back again for season 12. They think he will. Corona, everything's been turned upside down and backwards. Of course, they aren't filming yet. Um, but if you watch episodes and if you Google it, there's videos of him and doing all the, the various challenges. And he's known as Janitor Josh. Was he a janitor? He actually is a janitor at a gym specializing in Iron Man stuff. Okay. So I think it's kind of cool. He gets to, you know, probably gets to work out for free. I mean, so there's videos of him on Instagram and whatnot, doing different obstacles and training and whatnot. So um, good kid from Texas, member of the church. I'd love to have a nickname like the janitor. It's brother, yeah. it's brother, yeah. Ki- brother Kyle, the, the garage sleeper, the garage the man. Sh- <laughs> I don't know. The porch sitter. <laughs> the, that the, doesn't sound very intimidating. The fence sitter. Old brother yeah. Kyle. <laughs> what do you have, brother Kyle? Uh, one year from today, Tabernacle Choir are finally going to head out on their tour of Scandinavia and the United Kingdom. It's supposed to be right now, but we're postponing it one year. Well, and pretty significant, too, because uh, as Annette, I think it was you that pointed out a couple of weeks ago, right? This is where several of the early members of the choir uh-huh. are, are from. It was essentially yep. the choir going back to their roots. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, and with it, the latest album from uh, the the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. It's number one. We're number one on Billboard. It's uh, it's Billboard's classical crossover list uh, that Ooh. we are number one. The uh, album is called When You Believe. 
a night at the movies. And uh, there are songs from Avengers Endgame. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Frozen, Prince of Egypt, Star Wars, really? Episode 1. Yeah. Fun. It's a no. night at the movies. And you know what? You know what you do if your family's anything like how mine was growing up. You get that album and make your dad or your mom play that on Sunday morning. You know how you'd always had to listen to Tabernacle Choir. You yeah. crank up the night at the movies on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's what you do. What else do you have, Annette? All right. Well, this is one for me. It hit close to home, and then I realized this is something that a lot of people might find interest in. Um, a member of the church, his name is Dwayne Hyatt. He passed away um, end of May, like three weeks before his 83rd birthday. Um, he, people will sit there and say, well, who is that? And yeah. I, um, so most people will know him um, based on a song he was commissioned by um, the church to write for the primary book, uh, Follow the Prophets. Oh, well done gentlemen so the cool part with that is if you can actually look this up he wrote a story about explaining how it came about and the brethren actually asked him to make it sound jewish really so yeah so it does that's why it's you know i you know i remember you know earlier episodes of a cultural hall you and dj rob would be like follow the prophet hey and I'm like, that was intentional. It, he, it was supposed to happen. So I actually grew up right around the corner from him and his family. Um, a daughter of his was in my Sunday school class. They had 15 children. Wow. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And not only that, his wife died of cancer when the youngest was still in diapers. Wow. And within a year, a, an amazing angelic woman stepped in and married him and then raised the rest of the family. It's oh my gosh. A remarkable family. But, um, so Dwayne Hyatt, he, um, he has a big musical background. He actually served a mission in Tonga, which I think is hilarious because he was probably like six, six. He's a very tall, skinny dude and very white. So he probably had to stand out, um, in Tonga. Um, and he was in a popular singing group called the three D's. There was Dick, Dennis and Dwayne. <laughs> and he toured for 16 years, including to uh, with the USO to Asia. That's cool. Uh, way cool stuff. Yeah, he used to write for the spoken um, music and the spoken word. He used to. Um, I mean, he's worked for BYU's um, let's see, division of uh, director of communications, the division of the continuing education. Anyway, he's done. He's been a writer. He used to um, perform as Abraham Lincoln for EFY events and that kind of thing. Um, he's, he and his family are just remarkable human beings. So, so every time you hear him follow the prophet, you can think of Dwayne Hyatt. You know what's strange? And, uh, and, 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 and they didn't find this until after he passed. He had been writing a verse um, for President Nelson. Did you, did you know this? Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and as it happens, I happen to have it right are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nelson was a prophet, hates the name Mormon. He took down Moroni's, won't put him up again. That's all I've got uh, from from Lovely. his his verse of uh, follow well the prophet. <laughs> I I appreciate and I I wish that everyone, not just the Patreon saints, could see the video of articles of news because if you could see Annette's face where she's like wait really you have this last verse and then as soon as I started singing she went okay all right (laughs) you led me straight down that one I was like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised but uh this was this was sort of interesting to me uh this was an article you can find by the way all of these articles linked at theculturalhall.com in association with this episode we do notes and timestamps. if you guys haven't checked that out you can go right to a particular story that you might be interested in um the first presidency has recently approved minor adjusting adjustments to the names of historic sites of the church 17 of the 26 sites have been renamed to place greater emphasis on the restoration of the gospel. And so this is interesting to me because again, let me, let me reiterate that again. They've been renamed to place greater emphasis on the restoration of the gospel. Because as I read some of these names to you, uh, anyway, yes. Uh, the former name, uh, of the Brigham, it was it used to be called Brigham Young Winter Home, 
Now it's called Brigham Young Winter Home and Office. So again, these are hmm. the names are changed to emphasize the restoration of the gospel. I don't I don't know that I see this in all of these. Uh, the it used to be the historic Carthage Jail and Visitors Center. Now it's just Carthage Jail. It used to be historic Cove Fort. Now it's just called Cove Fort. It used to be called Book of Mormon Historic Publication Site. Now it's Grandin Building, the Book of Mormon Publication Site. Uh, it used to be the, called the Home of Jacob Hamblin. Now it's called the Hamblin Home. And so there are a lot of these. It's just minor tweaks. Um, and, and I get where they remove historic from a lot of it. Um, but but other than that, like I was like the greater emphasis on the restoration of the gospel. If there's something that I'm missing, could very well be. Uh, I may try and get Jacob Olmsted, who is the curator of historic uh, history historic sites for the church to talk about um, maybe a little bit why some of these things are. It's interesting to note uh, where we are going away from Mormon in so many of the things. Um, the Mormon Battalion Center at San Diego is still called as such. The Mormon Trail Center at Winter, uh, Winter Quarters is still called as such. Uh, Martin's Cove Mormon Trail Site, Sixth Crossing Mormon Trail Site, Rock Creek Hollow Mormon Trail Site, all, of course, uh, contain the word Mormon as part of it. And then the following, if you were wondering, did not change. Beehive House, Far West Temple Site, Hill Cumora, Historic Kirtland, Historic Nauvoo, Independence Visitor Center, the Canesville Tabernacle, which I don't know what that is. Do you guys know what that is? No. Canesville? I feel like I used to know. I'm yeah. sure it's... For tabernacles uh priesthood restoration site and saint oh. george tabernacle are all keeping their same name but i have no idea what canesville is i i swear i saw it on a map a couple summers ago when we did a church history family trip and i swear i saw it i just not remembering what the point what it was and people are probably shouting at their <laughs> at their uh okay canesville like probably illinois or missouri i don't remember Canesville is somewhere in Council Bluffs, it sounds like. So, yeah, part of the, part of the uh, Mormon Trail. Interesting. Uh, what else do you have, Brother Kyle? Uh, so, in France, where we are thought of, our religion, uh, they typically think we are polygamous, and they get us mixed up with Amish and Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So, so like America. They're not very familiar with us, yeah. But... Uh, there has been a slight increase in convert baptisms in uh, fr uh, France. French bread, <laughs> French fries are from there. Uh huh. Yes. Um, and and it's a difficult area. It's like Italy to make conversions. Everybody is Roman Catholic or atheist, uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. and, and neither of them want anything to do with uh, LES people. Um, and there is a, uh, a a fellow by the name of uh, Matt Martinich, who is a uh, who does um, statistics, and he is he says that the outlook for future Latter Day Saint growth in France is mediocre. Huh? It's mediocre, which is better than poor. Okay. I guess, but uh, uh, he says it's due to low levels of member activity once baptized, uh, inconsistent mission practices, uh, and baptism, uh, the, and. Uh, Persistent congregation consolidations. It's just the the wards there. They'll get a ward, and then they will they switch them around a lot. They consolidate them, make it to a branch, change the stakes, uh, and and so I, people get frustrated, frustrated, and just don't go anymore. But it's growing or it's shrinking. It is growing. Okay. Um, but he he's saying the reason it's not growing more that it, he only suspects it it will be mediocre is be, is because of these reasons. Um, you know, with some instability there, but, uh, I, it's, it's growing. It's promising. I, I'll take mediocre right now in France. You know what? I've also learned though, too, brother Kyle. What's that? There is a place in France where the naked ladies dance. Are, are you serious? <laughs> I was just, yeah, if you could see my face on that one, I'm like, all right, what joke does Richie have this time? I would love to see this place. I'll bet there's a wall. So yeah, there's a hole. It. There's a hole in that. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Can I see it all? Where, where is it where the men can see it all? I think just the boys. Where the boys can see it. And, uh, I wonder if they care. Uh -huh. 
if they don't care if they're in their underwear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, hall, guys. Keeping it I'm ashamed that I remember that. What a dumb thing. <laughs> I can't remember n- names of my nieces and nephews, but I can remember that song. Sure, sure. <laughs> Priorities from That's Brother... Song- that's why we memorize things using songs and stuff follow the prophet hey that's true yeah what else do you have annette okay so this is kind of one of our sad ones we had a uvu utah valley university student who died from covid covid19 he was only 27 years old his name was trevor syphus lee he was a senior expecting to graduate this coming spring in 21 um he had no underlying no or he did he did. He, he did have some comorbidities. They aren't saying what they are. Yep. Um, but he was taking summer classes. But anyway, it just was one of those tragic things that, like, 27, he's so young with his life ahead of him. He served a mission, all these different things. His family said his Christ-like love that he gave this world will always be remembered. It's one of those. It kind of just punches you in the gut when you realize, you know, this is, like, I, I actually have a friend who had COVID. It was She's recovered, and it was miserable. But, you know, you realize oh, this is a real thing. And people are dying. So yeah. it's, it's hard stuff. Yeah. Brother Kyle's tacky joke removed from earlier. I mean, it is a thing that you know, yeah. it, it does threaten yeah. a lot of people and keep people home. And, you know, where it leads into this next story changes a lot of people's lives. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, the four Latter-day Saint colleges and universities are going to be differently handling um their their uh, school their school schedules this fall fall semester courses will be online only at BYU Hawaii uh, the school announced this past Wednesday meanwhile some students will return to the Salt Lake City campus of LDS Business College or Ensign College uh, BYU and BYU Idaho are continuing to study their options and they expect decisions by the last part of June or early July I working at uh, at BYU Provo they have talked about that and they just sort of keep kicking the can down the road cases in the state of Utah have continued to increase they by no means want to put people in danger so there is some thought that there won't be uh classes on campus this fall at either of those other that have not yet announced again I will say so my my sister works at BYU and my daughter of course is attending and coming from both of them it sounds like in some cases they might have a, a few like labs open uh-huh. and that kind of the kinds of classes you can't do online. Like you can't dissect a cadaver online, that kind of thing. Right. Um, my sister teaches English classes. And so that will likely be entirely online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might even be department. But my, my daughter was giving the impression that they're actually going to each department. It's like, what do you need? How can this be adapted to be completely online or not? And that kind of thing. So I, I appreciate that they're putting so much thought into it. Sure. And completely devastating when you think about college towns like Rexburg, Idaho, Provo, Utah, um, although not completely dependent, I mean, largely dependent on that student base being in town uh, and mm-hmm. certainly impactful on the social structure of these these uh, college age kids. Right. You, you come, you go to these universities to be able to have those experiences with other people of your own faith and being able to be on campus. And they're not able to within these particular instances. It's it's pretty interesting. So that'll be an upcoming follow-up story here in the Cultural Hall as we let you know whether or not BYU Provo and BYU-Idaho will do their camp their uh, classes online. Um, this was kind of interesting. I'll just go right into this. If you listen to last week's articles of news, we had our friend Nate Eaton from East Idaho News give us an update on Chad and Lori Daybell. Uh, at the time that we chatted with him, it had not been confirmed by law enforcement that the remains were of JJ and Tylee. They, of course, are, as was announced earlier this week. Um, but also, uh, Chad is trending online as well. People have put together a petition to remove Chad Daybell's books um, from Amazon. He is the author of at least 28 books, nearly a dozen of which are about events leading up to the second coming, uh, when many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus Christ will appear again on earth. He also sells books about Latter-day Saint gospel topics like baptism, the articles of faith, and the priesthood, and at least four are categorized as children's books. Oh boy. <laughs> One of the books, labeled nonfiction on Daybell's personal site, is billed as a collection of graveyard stories that you won't be able to put down. And so people are just saying, all right, you know what, let's let's not push this. And then, and this is the weirdest thing, 
If you guys ever haven't haven't ever looked into this, there is a weird subculture of people who collect murder memorabilia. And so there have mm-hmm. been already some people who have tried to grab as many of these books of of Chad, assuming and allegedly that he, you know, he killed his kids. People are grabbing at him going, "Oh, I want this. I want to see if I can if I can see in his writing how he morphed into the the person he is now and it's Mm -hmm. creepy and oogie yeah oh and killing his wife that's the other thing yeah 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 i mean not confirmed there either and alleged alleged the autopsy is still not back on that well obviously as anything breaks in that case you can keep listening to the articles of news because we'll have the one part on that 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 was struck me recently was realizing that some of his adult children were living with him when he was arrested like i keep thinking about those the adult children like no one talks about them yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And I just, I can't even imagine what they're going through. Yeah, they kids, lost their mom and they lost their dad, and what horrible circumstances. Kids so. that live in the house with them, and the bodies of these children just outside their door. Yeah. And as I understand, they're no yeah. longer living mm-hmm. there, obviously, because I don't know how you could at that point. But exactly. Just, mm-hmm. just pretty crazy, uh, brother Kyle. What else do you have? Uh, this is kind of similar to the last thing I talked about, but I want to lighten things up a little bit. So uh, activity among Latter-day Saints uh, in the United States is going up. Yay! Well, here's why. Oh. Because it's good news and bad news. The the people that, re- that relate as LDS is actually going down. Because we used to have what we call, you know, Jack Mormons. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Mormon, but... They take a big drag on the cigarette. I don't yeah. go to church. Yeah. Now those people are not saying, you know, they're they're saying they're not LDS. Okay. And okay. so it 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 looks like activity, the percentage of LDS people is increasing, but really it's just the the people that are are affiliating with the church is going down. Actually. Okay. So it ups our statistics because it's less people overall, making it more people that would be active. That makes sense to me. Yes. Yep. So. Trying to put a spin on it. More people are being active. There we go. But really not. Speaking of more people being active, New Zealand, that's a group of active people. They were able to eradicate their entire island of COVID for like six days. And then, wow. two, and then two people came in from the United Kingdom and brought it with them. And they all went, get out of here. Take your pencils and get out. Of I don't know. That's my Wait, best. So if it's two people, I have to ask, was it missionaries? No. Nope. It okay. was not. It was not. <laughs> Uh, okay. But interestingly enough, because it is a, essentially eradicated there in New Zealand, they were able to hold the groundbreaking for the new Auckland, New Zealand temple. Oh, wow. Nice. They officially started construction. Uh, for members of the church, temples are the most holy of our places of worship, said Elder Ardern, which is interesting and what I have not yet found the connection to only because I haven't spent... Uh, too much time looking into it, but the area president of the church is Elder Ian S. Ardern. Anyone know why that would be significant? No. Kids? Kids? The president or prime minister of New Zealand is Jacinda Ardern. I knew she was raised as a member of the church. She's not anymore. Yep. So same same last name. Is Is there relation? Going to go on to family history uh, and ancestry and see if there is some connection. My guess, got to be, right? It can't be New Zealand with the same last name, both Mormon at some point, non-connection. But interesting. Yeah. Hard to find, though, when they're both living. Oh, yeah? No. No. Anyway, we won't have that information if they're both living. All right, family family history nerds, I need your help. Go out there and figure it out. Uh, and then this as well. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, we received word earlier this week that uh, he was admitted to the hospital and the internet freaked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Eric Hawkins, the spokesperson for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he has been admitted to the hospital. Uh, he is being tested for a bunch of diagnostic studies. And the only thing that they will confirm is that it is not COVID-19 related. So I know lots of thoughts and prayers. My favorite meme that I saw around it was uh, someone posted a picture of Elder Holland and said, 2020, don't you dare. Don't mm-hmm. you dare. So 
hopefully that's yeah molly jenny's tweet was similar only a little more even more strong i don't know i laughed when i saw hers but i'm like yeah i anyway uh what else what else do you guys have we have just a couple more minutes before we get out of here so I've got, um, there was an update for from the Mormon Women for Ethical Government, known as MWEG. Um, and you can actually go on their website to see why they still keep Mormon in the name. Um, they are very much active members and all that. So they have begun this, these online town halls. They had 300 people attend their first one. And the title of that one was, If All Lives Matter, Then Black Lives Matter. Um, and then just talking, they have people discussing you know, frustrations of situations and what can we actually do to take action. They have another one coming up Saturday, June 27th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and it's featuring Charlotte Mountain. And she is um, on the anti-racism committee lead person. Um, she's doing a deep dive into the title. is called Michael's Story, Understanding Systemic Racism. So um, we'll make sure that uh, uh, from the Culture Hall, you can find how to register and attend via Zoom. And you can register. Not only you get the link. There's three articles to read before you show up, so you can be part of the conversation. And then there's a survey form, so you can submit questions in advance. So it's, I think it's a really cool opportunity to learn and find out more information and figure out what we can actually do to be positive change. The links for that in the show notes for this. Is it free? Do you know? Does it say? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you just you sign up and just get your meeting link. Yeah, there's no there's no charge. All right, uh, brother Kyle, you have anything else? Uh, just that, uh, so 26,000 missionaries had returned to their homes due to coronavirus pandemic. Uh, now most of them are asking to go right back out. So they're letting them go back and they're staying typically in their home areas. Mm -hmm. They're reassigning them, but, uh, most of them are back out. Uh, general authority, uh, Brent Nelson said that, uh, the news release, they've heard from almost all of them and they have a long list of people now just waiting to go back out. They're just waiting for that to get them all back out in the field. Have either of you guys seen a statistic as to how many people went back out? Have you guys seen that? I've been looking for something like that, but no, I've not I, seen I, it. We have, there was a girl in our ward who went to Brazil right before the lockdown and was brought home pretty quick. And she just went back out again to Arizona, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and I, interestingly, my daughter um, was just telling me that um, a sister from her mission who was from Ghana um, just, you know, emailed her or whatever and said, her, yeah, her mission is technically over now, but she can't return to Ghana until the pandemic's done. Oh, wow. So Jeez. her mission is just going to be just indefinitely. She's just going to stay a missionary until she can go back home. Where is she at? She's in Alabama. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another place, another stuff. place where the, where the pandemic is on the rise as well. Ugh. All yeah. right. Well, uh, coming up in the third block, we're going to be chatting about um, the petition at BYU to be able to get uh, a class as a general ed requirement to help those uh, those students be more uh, racially aware, more racially sensitive. That's a thing that's going around. Also talk about the committee that's been established at BYU to... to to look forward as to how that university and I think all of the church universities can be more proactive in race relations. Um, I've got one more story. And so we'll sort of end on this. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention this briefly. Uh, one, both the story and two, if you've got young ears that may be listening, this is one that you're going to want to either fast forward or say, hey, sweetheart, let's get a popsicle. You want a popsicle right now? And go ahead and turn <laughs> this off. Uh, this out of Rexburg, um, uh, you can find the link to this at theculturalhall.com. I'm not going to share all the details uh, about it just because I know that it can be fairly triggering and upsetting. Here's the gist. A man who is executive secretary, he's at the church. They're doing a big activity. They're doing this whatever. This woman that stayed around with him, he's like, hey, help me lock up the church. And she was like, yeah, of course. Of course I'll be helpful and do this thing. And then he raped her. And here's uh... the deal. Here is the deal. Be safe. I know we can't, uh, we can't ever, you know, we can't ever stress that enough. Be aware of situations that you can be putting yourself in. Um, but, but also don't rape people, uh, gentlemen. Like, I know that that seems like too on the nose, but like, that's how we can stop these things from occurring. Like, just let's not, let's not do that. Let's respect uh, the women of the church and those whom we associate with and let and let's not do that so I don't want to be flippant about that I don't want to 
um, by any means uh, take any sort of avenue of like victim blaming saying, oh, she should have been more careful or not. I think uh, safety practices are a valuable thing to learn and to know about and to never be alone with people. But really, like, let's just not do this anymore. Let's not have to have these stories of, you know, viewing, um, you know, child pornography of of rape, of, you know, inappropriate leaders taking advantage and grooming those that are younger. Can we all, can we all, like, can we try for that? And if that's something that you struggle with, can we, can we take a minute and talk with someone about it and get the help that we need so that we don't have these stories? Uh, he is going to be sentenced to up to 20 years in prison uh, for his felony charge. And it's gross. It's in a church for crying out loud. I, I just, I don't get it. Well put. I guess. Just mad. Huh. I saw that and then I shared it and people were like, yeah, are you surprised? And I'm like, yes. Can we, can we just, can we just not, can we not do these things? Brother Kyle, Annette, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Good to see you both. <laughs> I wanted to take a quick second and check in with the wilds down just outside of uh, town in Texas. You know, it's not San Marcos necessarily, and it's not Austin, or it's not San Antonio, but like, I mean, they got plenty of time. They got we plenty live in of the space. county. Well, and you live and you have plenty of kids, which is why we have you guys come on and talk to us about the offerings from Living Scriptures. You can find a link uh, for how you can get an entire free month courtesy of the cultural hall in the show notes according to this episode what's what's new that's got you excited or that the kids are liking um my son who is four is currently obsessed with pirates he uh-huh. loves all things pirates um it's kind of scary to something but uh this week there was a, a new movie with tim curry as a pirate it's called pirates of the plane and uh okay and and my kid loved it. He he was riveted by it. Uh, sometimes live action stuff with the four year old doesn't go over quite as well. But uh, Tim Curry as a pirate of the plane, like planes, like the fields of wheat, like uh, of the like plane. the like the pioneers traveled the plains, like pirates of the plains. Right, pirates of the plane. Yep. Okay. All right. Starring uh, Tim Curry as Jezebel Jack. Okay. 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 So that was the. Is it just another retelling of Treasure Island, but this time it's on the planes? Um, not. I didn't. I didn't watch it with him. I just noticed <laughs> that he managed to get through the whole thing. Uh, no, it was. Just, it's like a, a mystical pirate movie. There was special effects, and the pirates appeared in the. It, it was. Listen, I mean, four-year-old le- kid got it. You didn't. It's need a to legitimate say movie that apparently came out, and Tim Curry was in it. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, they watch that. But generally, my kids are still binging their way through the uh, Strawberry Shortcake series. Uh, With they're... the perfectly peculiar pie man of Porcupine Peak? They haven't got to that episode yet. Oh, really? No, no but then uh, the other new stuff that's coming along this, this week is uh, a lot of the stuff. Obviously, a lot of their new offerings that come out each week are related to Come Follow Me, so they uh, boot bumped out that uh, Ammon visits the Nephites living scripture video and then their overview video of what, what we're covering and come follow me is out and new and their their uh, latter-day saint news is especially good this week there's some good up- uplifting things there and uh, I still haven't watched it again uh, but it came out last week on living scripture it's my all-time favorite Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints themed documentary it's called New York Doll have you seen it oh yeah 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 about yeah, stick, Ar- stick. Arthur Killer Kane of the New York Dolls. I love that movie. And it's uh, now streaming on the Living Scripture app. And stick around for the very end because the acoustic number at the very end of the movie is maybe my favorite part. Right. If you're, uh, you know, have gotten through your Kleenexes at that point. Yeah. It's worth mentioning age of your kids because you talk about being able to entertain your kids with the Living Scriptures. Um, my oldest is eight and uh, the youngest currently is two. So eight, six, four, and two. And so even your so we'll have another one. And uh, <laughs> that's true. And, uh, but they, uh, they all, they all have sat and they all, so we, for our family scripture study or for our come follow me, we oftentimes will sit and, and play the living scripture video, either the, the long episode, like when we did the tree of life, we must've uh-huh. watched the tree of life episode of living scriptures 15 times in that week sometimes we break it up sometimes we don't but like they generally can 
they all sit and watch and enjoy it. Good, 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 good. Like I say, people can find that link for The Living Scriptures. Gets you a free month, courtesy of the Cultural Hall. Make sure that you use the link that is in our show notes, because that's how you're going to get the deal. And we get a kickback. Woo! That's it. Russ, I think I hear one of your 100 kids calling you. They, they, the echoing multiplies the sound for sure. <laughs> you better get back to it. Just sit them down in front of the TV. Thanks, sir. No problem. Here in the third block of the cultural hall, in just a second, talking with Kennedy Madrid about uh, that petition, those rabble rousers down at BYU and what they hope to gain. Uh, if you have a suggestion for an episode, something that you would like to hear in the cultural hall, you think, man, we have neglected this particular topic, or there's this great guest. I just read this book. I saw this TV show. I follow this person online, whatever that person is. You can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. Bonus if you have a connection to that person, but I am not afraid to go chasing after some of these folks. Kennedy, you and a couple of your cohorts down there at BYU are trying to make some change. Let's talk about what that is. Yes, so we are hoping that BYU would consider doing a requirement that requires students to take classes in race and ethnicity. Okay, so uh, g give me an idea of what you're hoping that that looks like. And then, as my wife and I sort of discussed last night, are you just adding another general ed requirement to those undergrad students who already feel burdened by general eds? Yeah, so we're um, hoping that the requirement has around 15 to 20 classes that cover different aspects of race and ethnicity. So there was a professor at BYU who did extensive research on this, and he recommended 15 to 20 classes, and we looked at them, and we thought they were great. And some of them include um, sociology, race and ethnicity, uh, women's studies. I think it was also race and ethnicity and politics, and even introduction to jazz. So kind of just everything that a student might want to learn more about that pertains to race and ethnicity. And we are kind of hoping that it goes under the individual and society requirement that is already established at BYU. Um, so there is a requirement for global and cultural awareness, and we kind of just want to tack on an extra thing for that. So an opportunity to give a, a variety of different choices for kids to be able to do. I should say students, not kids, but students at, <laughs> at BYU to be able to take one of many. Uh, the petition is growing like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really, I'm still really shocked at how much love and support the petition has gone or has gotten. When I first created it, I was thinking like, this is not even going to go anywhere. It's probably only get like a hundred signatures and that's about it. And then it'll just be forgotten and it'll, you know, life moves on. But when it started reaching like 10,000 signatures, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> people actually want this. So let me ask you this. You, you mentioned that you started it. I know that there's you and a couple other cohorts. Is it you that actually started it? And then if it was, uh, why? Why do you feel like this is, is so necessary? Yeah, so I originally had the idea to do it. And it kind of just stemmed from my personal experiences and experiences that I've heard from my friends and just people around campus. The biggest questions I always get uh, when I go to BYU, it happens like once or twice every semester, people ask where I'm really from. And I always like look confused and I'm like, I'm from California. And they're like, no, but where are you really from? I'm like, uh, California. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's Southern California. California. Yes, <laughs> like, do you want me to get specific? <laughs> I'll tell you the city, but um, just like little stuff like that or wondering if you know I am a citizen of the United States. Uh, there's been some of my friends who've gotten racial slurs directed towards them. So with everything that's happening with Black Lives Matter movement and just all the protests that have been happening, I kind of was just like, you know what, this seems like a perfect time to, to just try and make a change at BYU. So pause real quick. I want I want to make sure that we just sort of focus on one thing that you said. People ask you where you are really from and... Are you a legal immigrant or a legal resident of the United States? Yeah, they ask if I'm really from the United States or if if I am from the United States. So kind of hinting like I'm not from the United States, yeah. which which is it's it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's sad because, you know, I, I anticipate that question almost every semester. I've almost gotten through one semester without getting asked a question like that. And on the last day of one of my classes, someone asked me that. And I was uh, like, dang, it's so close. <laughs> we, I thought we were getting better. It's worth noting, maybe for the national conversation, you have sort of dark complexion and, and, and dark eyes. But I don't know that anyone would, like, I don't think it and go, oh, but Kennedy, where are you really from? 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I know I'm on the lighter complexion. Um, so to get questions like that, you know, and I'm, I'm light, you know, I'm not hiding it. I'm a lighter skin toned Latina student, but imagine other students who may have a darker, you know, skin complexion than I do. Like, what do they get asked? Because if I'm getting asked these and I'm on the lighter side, imagine my fellow students getting asked worse questions or, you know, more racial slurs directed towards them. Does it ever make you just stop and and think, this is 2020 for crying out loud. Are we not better than this? Yeah, it it's just crazy that this is still the mindset like now like i was explaining to my husband like why is this still happening like we're not in the 50s anymore we're not you know we're not this isn't this shouldn't be our mindset anymore it's 2020 things have started to progress you know why are we still thinking like this or why are these questions still being asked like it's it's very interesting how you know you think we progress so much but in reality it's like we're still in that mindset Let me ask you this, where you are a a California transplant to be attending BYU, did you ever get stuff like that in California? No, I haven't. I grew up in a city where it was pretty diverse. So a lot of my friends from high school are uh, Latina, Latino, um, African-American, Indian. So I've gotten a lot, you know, I've, I've been around different students. And I think that just never really was a question that people asked. But when I started going to BYU-Idaho and BYU-Provo, that was like the one question that I was being asked. And I was like, oh, I've never been asked that before. It puts you in a different situation because I, for, for a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this. I mean, anyone who's listened to the cultural for a while, I did not have much diversity before I went and was able to serve a mission. And then I was like, oh, there is a whole other different world that I have no idea about. I think that's why the significance of this class seems so very vital. So many of these people, as much as we don't like to admit it, like are our church and cultural experience is very homogenous. We don't allow ourselves the opportunity, whether because the membership of the particular ward or branches or because of, of, of where and how we congregate to have those experience with other, um, with other, uh, other types <laughs> of folks. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so for me, like, it's just a the need for a class like this just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, and like my husband stated um, when we interviewed with uh, Fox 13, like this isn't anything to like punish anyone. Like we're not we're not pointing out like oh BYU's racist because we recognize like some students just don't even know that what they're saying is racist. You know, maybe the question of oh where are you really from sounds normal to them, but for us it's like oh that's very like that's rude. Like, why would you ask me that? Right. So it's, it's like, you know, we're not saying like, oh, everyone's racist and you guys need to be punished. It's just like, you know what, we all just need to be educated on this and just know, like, maybe the, those questions aren't supposed to be asked. And here's like a better way to, to, you know, converse with someone of a different race or background than you. It's so interesting because as you point out, yeah, I don't think that those people that would say something like, oh, yeah, where are you really from? I don't think that they're like, I'm going to get her. I'm going to show her and I'm going to be so mean. But they're just ignorant to like the the unspoken repercussions of what they're saying. And that's a thing that they could learn in, in, a, in a class like this. Exactly. Yeah. So I asked you kind of in advance of this whole thing to also be familiar with another sort of initiative that's going on at BYU that sort of goes hand in hand with uh, what you guys are talking about. And there's a, been a whole committee that's been established down mm-hmm. at BYU to kind of proactively look at race relations and, and, and those things that occur on campus. Uh, what do you think about that as, as a student who has had to face some of these things that you've had to face? I think it's a great idea that the committee was was formed because it allows kind of just faculty to just express their opinion and maybe express what they've seen. I do like the people that are rep- are being or that are representing the students, especially Carl Hernandez III from the law school, which I thought was really cool because I was like, oh, we have like law school representatives too, mm-hmm. and people from the FHSS. Which what does school. that stand for for people? That's family of family. Family, home, and social science. Okay. Um, And then we also have someone from the Multicultural Student Services, which I think is fantastic. Um, So I really like the committee that's being formed and the committee that, you know, is hopefully going to uh, just express their opinions and what BYU needs to do. 
it's such a vital conversation. It was interesting since I, I work at BYU as well. You probably don't know that. Mm-hmm. But I was in a meeting sort of a, of a whole department and they announced that they were doing this committee and it made me stop. And I was like, hey, slow clap, BYU. Like I was surprised <laughs> that, that they were taking so seriously. I hope that doesn't sound you know, judgy as far as BYU goes. But I was like, yeah, this is really great and so necessary. Oh, yeah, definitely. When I even saw it, I was like, oh, we're they're actually going to be doing something like that's awesome. And I know there's been a lot of criticism on like, oh, why now? Like because of social pressure or, oh, why isn't all races being, you know, represented at the uh, the committee i know some people pointed out like there's not a lot of women on the committee the committee there's nobody of asian descent on the committee and native americans are left out and all of this so it's like you know there's always going to be criticism with it but i honestly think it's still a good step in the right direction like you know they're trying you know we're all byu's trying and i feel like that's very appreciated yeah, such such a valuable thing to see it right like you would hope that there would be every every group represented male, female, everything. But whenever I see some of that pushback, I'm, I'm always prone to be one that thinks, well, what do you want them to not then do anything? Because, you know, like I just am like, give them, give them the opportunity to try. And maybe as they get into it, they'll go, oh, we are missing some representation here. Let us allow the opportunity. Similarly, like I, I thought it was interesting within the committee where they're talking about the university that's full of students, that there were no students on the committee, like yeah. put, put Kennedy <laughs> on the committee for crying out loud. <laughs> Yeah, when I read that, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I was kind of like, how do I sign up? (laughs) You mentioned a couple of times within this, um, your husband, is it something that he has experienced with uh, being married to you? How has his experience at BYU been? So for the most part, I think he's been okay. He hasn't really expressed anything Uh that's happened to him directly, but he kind of just sees it through me because I would, you know, I go and tell him like, oh my gosh, someone asked me, you know, where I'm really from or oh my gosh, someone's questioning if I'm even like from the United States. And he's like, and he's even shocked. He's like, what the heck? Like you're going through this. And uh, one of our friends, America, she also helped uh, write the petition and, you know, he he hears like her side of the story and he's like, what is going on? And it's, it's sad. <laughs> what uh, to those that um, would maybe turn a blind eye or say, you know what, BYU doesn't have a problem or this is so unnecessary or my favorite classic, the I'm not racist uh, mm-hmm. to those that, that think, well, you're just trying to burden me. This is going to make me have to take another class in the semester and classes cost money and credits and all these things. Like what, what do you, what would you say to those folks? So I've seen all those comments and I kind of just like, I kind of just sit there and just think like, you know, this isn't going to hurt you. Like this isn't this isn't going to make your college experience hopefully worse or, you know, bad in any way. If anything, it's just going to just show like BYU is trying. And yeah, it may seem like a burden to take an extra class, but I mean, there's GE classes that a lot of students don't want to take, but we still have to take them. So it's just like American you know, heritage, right? <laughs> American is, heritage. Isn't, isn't that isn't that the punchline joke for if there's a class that people don't want to take at, at BYU? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I didn't go to BYU. I just know oh, that, okay. like, if there's a punchline of a class that people don't want to take, it's that one. Oh, yeah. American Heritage was fun. <laughs> I had to take it. And I mean, it was a good class. But yeah, I've read comments where it's like, can we just replace American Heritage with this instead? Like, I'd rather do this than American Heritage. Overall, it's like, in the end, it's not going to hurt you taking a class about race and ethnicity. And you may think like, oh, I'm not racist. But you know, you don't know about the other majority of the of the campus, you know, there's been comments like oh i've never seen it on byu campus so i know it doesn't exist but people are like well because you haven't you haven't seen it like you don't know so that's just kind of like what i have to say just we don't know about what happens in the majority of the campus just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening and overall you know this is a good this, i think this is a good request to have this class yeah. be recommendation uh, like be a requirement because you know in the end it also helps students know how to interact with people of different races in the workforce. And for example, I am pre-medicine, so I hope to go into the medical field someday. And there is diversity in the medical field, whether you're working with different doctors of different races or you have patients of different races and ethnicity, and you need to know kind of how to interact with them and not um, have prejudices against them. So I feel like this is a good thing to just know what to do in the workforce and have those skills to 
you know, be a better worker in the workforce. Yeah. I saw, I saw the mandate for the class or the petition to make it mandatory. And I was like, yes, but also can we make this just like worldwide? Can we make it so that like in order to get like a tax refund, maybe you have to take this class (laughs) or like in order to, you know, like we put it (laughs) as a stipulation towards something. And here's the reason why, because I think that there are things like someone, someone may say something like, but where are you really from and not understand the impact of what something like that may actually mean. And that and that seems sort of on the lighter end to those people who still you know, use racial slurs that's sort of there on 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 the heavier end of that whole thing. I think that there's value for all of those people to understand how your words have value, have meaning and matter what you say. But also, I think that say that you, that genuinely those people that say I'm not racist and they're genuinely not, although people would mm. argue everyone has a bias. Here's the deal. The value in that class would allow you to d- identify other times when other people are. And part of what is going to help change the conversation is if you feel comfortable to say, hey, pal, who just said that to somebody else, I need you to know that that is not okay. And even though it wasn't directed towards me, even though, you know, whatever that, I have that difference from it, you need to know that that's not appropriate and I am not okay with that even being around me and standing up for those people that may not feel comfortable being able to stand up for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said, people who may not be racist or, you know, are generally not racist, but taking the class will just help them know, you know, what people around them are saying and maybe like point out like, hey, that's not cool. Like you don't ask that. So it's like, yeah, that's like the biggest argument with the petition. Like, well, I'm not racist or, oh, my friends aren't racist. So why do we need to take this class? And it's like, well, now you'll have the knowledge to know, like, if someone says that, says something racist to someone, you know, to point that out, like, hey, that's not cool. I know that's not right. You need to stop that. So I think overall, it's just like, it's, it wouldn't hurt just to be just a little bit more educated on the different races and ethnicity that you're surrounded with. You know, we're, we live in a world where there's different types of people of different backgrounds and and races and gender and ideologies and everything. And it's like, we have to all coexist together in this world. You know, we're not isolated. So I think it's just important, you know, to just be a little bit more educated in something. Yeah. That's the purpose of life. Gain knowledge. Let's do it. Sign the petition. I'll leave a link with it for the show notes at this episode of The Cultural Hall. You can find it at theculturalhall.com. Kennedy Madrid, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of The Cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really got to go on The Cultural Hall. Show.